0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen and thank you for tuning in to this edition of Leroy's Library. Bangkok Lyrical Lunacy's weekly podcast where we cover our community culture, events news and any information relevant to life on earth and in Bangkok. My name is Leroy Janconius III here to serve you a helping of poetry music and the rest of the collective creative output from members of our community. On this edition of the podcast, we will do things a little bit differently in observance of October's mourning period in Thailand, which marks one year since the passing of Thailand's king, His Majesty King Bhumibol Did, planet Earth's longest reigning monarch who will forever be in the hearts and minds of the people of Thailand. So we will present work by members of our community that delves into themes of loss Coping with grief and the natural struggle we endure as humans when faced with the inevitability of death. In Thailand, it is customary for one to tone down one's energy to allow for quiet reflection and meditation during mourning periods. So, in this episode, we will keep things simple by keeping our commentary at a minimum and allow the words of the poets and artists featured in this episode to speak for themselves.
1: ago, I read uh, words from Norman Cousins, and he said that the tragedy of life is not really death, but it is what we let die within us when we live. I found myself thinking about this a lot when when I lost my mother to cancer two years ago, and this poem is for her. I am Sorry. As those words meet your ears, you sit at the crossroads between losing yourself to trying to make sense of it all in a hurry. With your cupped hands, you try to hold the hailstorm falling down from the sky, only to see that you are being showered by dust of your own crumbling world, shattering around you like it was made out of matchsticks, burning to the ground faster than you can hold. You hold on to air like you're holding on to invisible rope, blinded by the choking smoke, only to realize that it is not the smoke that chokes you, but it is the memories that you had with her. Every memory rises in a bubble and floats around you, and you try to forget and move ahead, but you can't really see your path ahead because there are so many bubbles in your path that you really have to stop and think, like... You first at school, when her fingers weaved perfectly with yours, assuring you that you will find a second home there. Like the time you drew your first superhero, Superman, and she hung your drawing proudly for all to see during dinner. Even when your superhero looked quite pathetic because all you put on him was a red underwear. And you said to mama, I want that down. Like the time you felt the flutter of butterflies in your stomach when you first met a boy, you fancied. And mama looked at you as if to say, I know what you're doing. (laughs) This was your kingdom, a kingdom that you built together. The skyline of your kingdom is dotted with many furs and you never thought that the moment you have with her today would be your last. So with sorrow that sits on your shoulders like agony of a thousand years, you try to push the bubbles aside so you can go ahead with no fear only to realize that you are moving around the bubbles because you are afraid of bursting them and losing your memories in all the rubble. The path that you walk on is paved with denial. The path that you walk on is littered with rocks called anger. The path that you walk on is filled with puddles of depression and an earnest prayer of bargain rises to the heavens above. Why could it not have been me instead? What the doctor did not tell you, and I'm a doctor, I can watch for it, was that your grief will go beyond the five stages. What the doctor never told you was how you could bring life to her final years. And the doctor certainly did not tell you that death is hardest on the living. Yet, you smile to yourself and you remember that there's only one thing your mama ever asked from you. To never stop believing that the best is ahead of you, even when everything is lost. So you tell yourself that I will be okay. And your heart knows that you will be, even though a big part of your world is no longer in this world. I am a fighter, even when you know that the only bond to your pain is the feel of her touch linger on your skin. I am a survivor, and you know that your head will definitely come above the water for a breath of fresh air called hope and a new life. Because all that mom ever wanted you to do was belief that tomorrow the sun will rise, your eyes will open, your lungs will expand for air, and your feet will place themselves on grass and walk in this reality around you, which was a dream you built together. Your hands open new doors, and behind those doors you find her legacy, which will always be yours. Death never stopped for your mother, and she never stopped for it. But death came back around and then stopped for her, so why should you stop? She is in you, she is within you, and she is never gone, because all she ever wanted you to do was to never lose faith to keep moving on. You know that her memories promise you that the best will indeed be ahead of you, and it will meet you. All that mama wanted was for you to believe, and with that, you realize your grief finds a release, and you finally, after a long pause and long last, you find the courage to finally move on. Thank you.
2: Pain is fleeting. Then again, what isn't? Time slipping by like it's got some place to go. I spend a lot of time staring off into space, wasting time, thinking about wasted time, wishing it would stop moving so fast. But back to pain, that's really the secret sauce. You can't have pleasure without a decent sting of it. And I just can't figure out why inevitability hurts the way it does when the biological impulse is to avoid the sharp things and the hot things and the fast-moving blunt things. Why does that impulse linger into nights spent alone, safely tucked away from any danger, and yet still some nerve exposed to the darkness in some intangible way? All right.
0: Somewhere in a small town two miles from Bethlehem, a small procession of singing men carry a small pine box on a small hill, chanting hymns weaved through a symphony of barking dogs that follows, heralding to the heavens. In the box, there's an endless field of white roses blanketing the still figure of my grandmother, arms folded facing the heavens as she is hoisted above the heads of unfamiliar families. Yesterday, I woke to the news of my grandmother's death. I'm 28 years old now. That's almost three decades. All those years, and we never got a chance to meet. I can hardly construct an image of her in my mind from the scarce flashes of photos sprinkled in my memory. My irises never got to feel what the light that her face reflects felt like. I imagine it can't have been any different from what staring at the full moon feels like. Funny enough, the moon is full now. Bright, brilliant, bouncing back the sun's eternal radiance even after its light has dipped behind our horizon. A welcome reminder of the fact that even faded moonlight is fated to burn bright again against the darkness of the unknown. And that's what the moon has always been to us anyway. Unknown, yet familiar something that has always been there, so we never stopped to see her, never pause to let her light caress our irises, unbearable light, filtered and fixed just right so that we might spend whole nights fixated on her feast of photons. But we skip dinner, dodging distant relatives as if we never read the poems our ancestors left behind to remind us of what family looks like. Still, if we happened to cross paths at some hypothetical point in space time, something tells me that she might still pause in recognition of her son's laugh reflecting back from my face. Maybe I'd be brought to a halt for thought of having caught sight of my dad's stare following me curiously from across the way. Probably. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some type of superhuman ability that moms have. They just know a lot of shit, man. And it's not because of the extra eye my mom says she has in the back of her head. Then again, it's probably exactly that, just not in the back of her head. And so all that remains are a patchwork of memories. 90-second exchanges on phone calls over broken Arabic. The sour taste of the olives she picked and sent across the world to me linger on the back of my tongue. The rosary she sent me that I never wore is now around my neck. The piercing fragrance held by its beads fills my nostrils with each breath, reminding me to spend time with the moon tonight.
2: 12 years. Has it really been that long since your last breath? 12 years. How can I feel like it's just yesterday? That night is so vivid and yet it feels so far away. 12 years. The pattern of you not being here has long become natural. It has become part of me. 12 years. I can still remember your last breath and hand-squeeze so clearly. For the first six years, I tried to forget you. For the first six years, I pretended you didn't exist. I hid from the world, I hid from you, till I started to even hide from myself. I felt abandoned, lost, ashamed, embarrassed, envious, Because every time I would think of you, my heart would tear open again. For the first time in six years, I was so fucking angry at you. Especially in those moments when you refused to let me forget, and everyone else was so happy that they remembered. For the first six years, I wish you never existed. That way, I would never have known what I had felt like to lose someone that was my whole world. My everything. Sorry. (laughs) Year eight, I was jealous. I was jealous of all the memories others not only shared, but remembered with you. Year eight, I ran. I ran and I didn't stop. I ran to forget. I ran to remember. I ran to create. I ran to find. I ran to meet and explore. I ran to feel complete again. Year eight, I ran with blinders and bumpers on. But I ran. A decade, I began to stop, even if for a moment. A decade, I started to see your stop signs everywhere and I listened. God, did I listen. The intensity was too great at times that I didn't even want to leave my room. A decade, I became aware. I opened my eyes and ears and heart. I was so emotional that it was hard to speak and connect with others but I tried. And some listened. Um, I'm so thankful. I finally acknowledged that the truth, I finally acknowledged the truth to my sadness and was ready to move on. Sip at be loud. <laughs> I jumped. Oh my God, I jumped. I jumped and I didn't fall. I never want to come back down. I close my eyes and I start to feel myself descend towards towards the ground, only to find that the air currents have changed. Sippy loud. My wings are patched and I'm flying. The resistance has finally disappeared and the repair has begun. I'm flying low and steadily rising. I am proud to call myself your daughter. 12 years. Wow. Has it really been 12 years, Dad? I love you, and I will never stop remembering and carrying you with me. Thank you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for this edition of Boys Library. Bangkok Lyrical Lunacy's weekly podcast where we cover our community, culture, news, events, and any relevant information regarding life here on earth and in Bangkok. My name is Leroy Jankonius III, your host, and thank you for tuning in this week. We'll send you off with this tune you've been hearing throughout the entire episode, entitled Candlelight Blues, written and composed by King Bumipon Adunyadeh himself. Oh,